Welcome to the Follower Podcast again, and we are in a series called The Making Of. If you're new, if you're just finding us, we're so glad you're here. A little bit of background about the Follower Podcast. It's basically to, from a follower to followers about following. So what does it mean to follow Jesus in the world today? Knowing that some of us have rejected the idea of Jesus based on stuff that has, has nothing to do with Him uh, and everything to do with the systems we've built around Him. And then within the Follower Podcast, we've got this series called The Making Of, which is what you're watching right now. The Making Of is an idea I had where I just thought, I've got such an opportunity to go around and meet great people. I meet these people all the time and I'm thinking, I'd love other people to meet these people. And then I get interested, I go like, what's the making of this person? How did this person become who they are, think how they think, do the stuff they're doing? And so that's what the Making Of series is about. So we have different people on here and we talk about the making of those people. Uh, and the things that they've come to understand about Jesus, God, life, truth, meaning uh, in their journey of becoming themselves. And so today on the show, on the podcast, we have Mr. Rob De Silva. Welcome, Rob. Thank you. Good to have you with us. Great to be here. Uh, I, I don't really know Rob too much. Rob is doing a master's degree that I'm doing. He's in his first year. I'm coming to the end of my second year now. Uh, but we've chatted a few times. I think this is the second time we met because we met the first time, which was the beginning of this year, actually. Yeah, some, sometime in April, I think. In April, yeah. yeah. Uh, and so we chatted a little bit, and then we were chatting a bit more yesterday and the day before. And I just thought it's so interesting to share some of his story. And here's why I wanted to have Rob on, because a lot of the people who've been on or who will be on often are people in ministry or like, you know, Professor Johan, some of those episodes that you would have seen. But Rob is not in those classic ministerial roles as we've come to see them. He works in a completely different space. And I thought that would be great because I know that there's some people who go, I want to follow Jesus, uh, but I don't really feel called to be a pastor in that sense. Or um, the reason I don't follow Jesus is because everyone who does kind of looks like this thing. And so what I was interested in was, was the way you were in a completely different sphere and yet completely passionate about the same things I'm passionate about and doing that in a completely different way. So let's start there. What do you do? Where do you stay? Tell us a little bit about your world at the moment. Yeah, so I am in business uh, with my wife, uh, the wife of my youth. Yeah. Been married for 12 years. And uh, we are in the cosmetics, beauty slash fashion industry, which is really great. Absolutely love it. Have loads of fun. Um, essentially, what we do as a business is that we have uh, several brands. Well, the major brand that we currently represent is a brand called Cryolam. So Cryolam is one of the world's biggest professional makeup brands, um, been around for over 70 years. And we are their distributor for our territory, which is KwaZulu-Natal in South Africa. Um, we live in a city called Durban, and that's where we, our business is based. And uh, what we do with, well, the history is really my wife is a makeup artist and um, she's been passionate about uh, makeup and women and empowering women for many, many years. Um, but worked with this brand, Kryland, for over 20 years and we got the opportunity several years ago to become their distributor. And uh, we just decided we wanted to do something unique with it. So we took it into the retail space and we opened up several retail stores and then from there, sort of onwards, we've developed into other areas. We've launched our own skincare range. We're launching our own makeup accessory range. And we'll be launching to other new uh, initiatives next year. Amazing. Yeah. So very much in the entrepreneurial sector. Absolutely, very much yeah. pushing that kind of space. Yeah. So, so great. What's your wife's name? 
My wife's name's Aldifa. Aldifa. Yes. We should probably have her on. At yeah, some you point. should absolutely. Maybe when I'm in Durban. And she I'm is there. definitely my better half. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Aldifa, we'll see you. In <laughs> um, okay, but you weren't always in this industry. Did you grow up in Durban? So no, actually, uh, I I was born in in Johannesburg, um, and at a young age, at the age of eight, my I, I relocated with my family to Durban, and then. Went through a bit of a difficult patch. My parents got divorced and my, my father, who's been in manufacturing and design, he's a design engineer, uh, got involved with a company up in Blum. And so he left and I ended up staying with my mom and my sister. And then um, at sort of in high school, I ended up relocating and living with him. Went to school in Blum, uh, spent some time there, studied a little bit, uh, left Blum as a disillusioned teenager, um, not sure what to do with my life, kind of had grown up a bit in the church, firstly in the Catholic church, and then when my parents got divorced, my mom uh, got born again or saved and ended up in a uh, charismatic church. Um, and then I survived that season of charismania, yeah. which which was actually really good. It's a lot of good people, but um, a lot of stuff that wasn't so great or helpful in my journey into finding Jesus. Yeah. And then ended up in Cape Town, um, just decided I want to go on a wild adventure, 20 years old, uh, hitchhiking around the country, uh, drugs, sex, rock and roll, um, and uh, had a, a, I'd say like a supernatural encounter with God uh, while on this journey of discovery and discovering life and um, yeah, on a, on a drug-induced, uh, what would you call it, um, trip. Yeah. And uh, in, in this, uh, on this trip, I was floating in outer space, having an outer body experience, and the, world, the earth was somewhere down there, and the moon was over there, and it was just really quiet. And uh, I heard God speak to me loud and clear, audibly, and, um, and it was in that moment I realized that there's more to life than the hedonistic values I'd embraced. There's more to life than just drugs, party, uh, adventure for myself. I love adventure. I'm an adventurous person, but back then it was all about my self-gratification. So uh, in that moment I realized life, life is so much more than just this uh, journey I was on. So I ended up in Cape Town and uh, decided I want to know this God who, who spoke to me at this point in my life. And what, what did he say? Can I ask? Like yeah, so I, I had, so just rewinding about a, a week before, uh, we were hitchhiking around the country and we were uh, on the side of the road and we'd spent about three hours standing in the same spot, not a single car, and it was up somewhere in the West Coast. And this friend of mine and I were, were like, you know, nothing better to do than just sit back and smoke weed or marijuana or whatever you want to call it nowadays and and um, while we were sitting this random thought pops into my head and says why don't you ask God for a lift so I go well you know what have you got to lose um, and I and I go God you know if you're out there can we have a lift and literally not even I don't even think it was two minutes that passed and this car stopped and picked us up and I was like saying to this mate of mine, you won't believe it. I've just asked God for a lift in this car. It's just picked yeah. us up. This is incredible. And he's going, yeah, man. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, and then, so fast forward a week later. Now, I'm going like, God, you actually really out there. This is amazing. Um, and then we, so we end up at this uh, nightclub in some other town in the middle of South Africa. 
and we meet these guys and we were partying with them and drugging with them and ended up at the, uh, the guy's apartment. And he's telling me this long story about how he'd gone through a terrible relationship and almost committed suicide. And I'm like, no, 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 no. I'm, I know someone who can help you. It's Jesus, you know. But I'm now I'm, you. You've just. I, I'm. I'm busy doing drugs with this guy <laughs> in his apartment. So but the only I'm Jesus telling you, you know is the Catholic. I know this Jesus yeah. who actually gave me a lift the other day, oh, wow. and he can help you because wow. he gave me a lift. Um, and, and it was kind of a weird story because I'd, I'd had a Catholic upbringing with some charismatic experience through the church my mom was involved with, but you know. I had no idea who this God was. I right. just knew that he cared enough to give me a lift, which was a bit, was like really out there for right. me. Not the God that I'd seen in the Catholic Church at the time growing up. And I love, I have really good Catholic friends, yeah. so not knocking that all charismatic churches. It's just that I'd never seen him to be a God that really was so interested in my life that he's willing to give this drug addict, party, hedonistic animal on the side of the road a lift. Right. And so... Um, it kind of changed the way I saw him, and uh, when I was uh, back in Port Nolith, in this west coast town, up uh, the west coast of South Africa, um, doing drugs with these guys, and in this trip, and this outer body experience, he revealed himself again to me, and he spoke to me, and, he, and what I realized is what he said to me, is this whole world that you're involved in is actually under the influence of someone else, and his name is the devil. Wow. And in a moment, I realized that this world of, you know, that was seemingly innocent, having a good time, was actually part of the construct of, of someone that was actually had evil intent to harm me, destroy me, rob, rob me of life, rob me of purpose, rob me of destiny. And everything I was doing was part of his plan to rob my life. So yeah. I had that revelation. When I heard that voice, uh, when I heard God's voice, I realized, you're right. And I, and I suddenly realized, this, this, this dr the drug addiction, free, uh, you know, open sex, free sex, living the life, uh, just parting all about me, myself, and I. It was actually, it's not all about me, myself, and I. It's all about an evil construct to rob me yeah. of, of God's design. Right. When he made me, he made me with a purpose and, and, and yeah. destiny. And, and I think, I just want to stop there because I think as you, I, I almost can hear the resistance of some people listening and watching as soon as you say devil, yeah, right? Because uh, there's almost, we're so natural in our thinking and we've got such a preconceived idea about the devil and we're thinking red dude, pitchfork, yeah. et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. And so as soon as we hear this word devil, we kind of put it in the category as a, of like ridiculous mythology. Yeah, sure. And yet I think like C.S. Lewis says, speaks beautifully about this. He says, you know, when it comes to the devil or evil, uh, there's two things we do wrong. Number one, we take it too seriously. So the, the pot burns and it's the devil, you kick your toe, it's the devil, like the dog gets sick, it's the devil. And he says that's one end of the extreme. But the other end of the extreme is we don't take the, the reality of evil seriously enough. Yeah. And so we live in this natural mindset and it's almost like we're in a boxing ring with our back to the, to the opponent, just getting like beat up because we don't even realize we're in the fight, you know. So I just, I just think that's interesting is like as soon as you say devil, I almost wanted to help some people like just fight that resistance <clears throat> yeah. because we look around and we see the ramifications of evil everywhere. Yeah, absolutely. Right? Yeah, I think, I think, you know, 
a lot of people will go, oh, well, there was, that's a nice little story. Uh, maybe there was something that you needed psychologically to think that thought, or you know, maybe there's a psychological reason for it. But you know, just you know, if I say to you, and I, and I present you with an apple, and I tell you that this is a watermelon, just because I tell you it's a watermelon doesn't make it a watermelon. Right. And I think the reality of modern science is that it does kind of do away with these fanciful thoughts because of obviously the past previous historic injustices of religion being so closely linked with state and politics and science. But I, I can tell you, if you want to bring it down, narrow it down to an experiential level, I saw it, I experienced it, I lived yeah. through it. Yeah. I, I, had, uh, I had encounters as an unbeliever, when I say an unbeliever, someone who wasn't interested in God, I was open to all religions, uh, dabbled a bit in Rastafarianism, I dabbled a bit in this and a bit of that, but I had encounters. I had encounters that you couldn't explain and um, where you would tell someone and they would say, well, maybe it's just a figment of the imagination, but I had encounters with a, another force right. that was evil. Right. So fast forward, uh, you know, move to Cape Town, get saved, um, and um, in, in that time, I found myself in a, in, a, in a church in Cape Town and got into the sort of community of that church and it was a journey for me of discovering this God that, uh, that had encountered me. Um, however, I think some of the journey was, was positive, some of the journey was negative. Some of the stuff I learned was just not really helpful or true about who he was. It was just maybe religious, religious notions about who he was, misunderstanding uh, of, of the Bible, but nevertheless walked a journey, went uh, through the process of, of um, you know, getting plugged into the church culture. Uh, made some incredible friends. To this day, friendships that have lasted over, spanning over 20 years, it was over Amazing, 20 years ago, yeah. and I value those friendships uh, highly, yeah. you know. So. Yeah. so you come out of that, uh, that world Mm -hmm. uh, of kind of being employed by the church, I guess. Yes. yes. Yeah, so I, I, when I got to Cape Town, I, I got into the church and everything in me, I was just like, God, you're just so amazing. I'm beginning to see who this God is and like you rescued me. And I mean, I, I, I came out of um, several years of drug addiction and no 12-step program, no, and, and, I, and I love those programs. I think there's benefit and, and they're helpful for some. For me, it was an instantaneous process of getting set free from that addiction. And I was so grateful. I was just so super grateful because it's almost like you can, you start to see life, you start to enjoy life, you start to realize I have a purpose, I have a destiny, I'm not just this blob on this earth. Yeah. And uh, life begins to take shape and meaning. And I just wanted to say, what can I do? I just, God, I'll do anything. I want to serve you. I want, I want to be this radical person for you and, and be everything you call me to be. And um, yeah, yeah I, I decided, I thought this is the way to do it. Let me get involved in, in somehow and went on to a full-time youth team. I did that for two years, working in the community, young people, uh, universities, uh, rehab centers, schools, um, and uh, also youth ministry in the church and, and spent a considerable amount of time uh, in, in youth ministry, did Bible school through the church. And um, yeah, we part of a youth pastor or leadership team that oversaw plus minus a thousand two hundred young people. Wow! So it was an amazing time. It was loads of fun, uh, but went through a process of burning out and hitting the wall. Right. In in the so in the ministry, right. so-called ministry. Right. And it was a really really difficult time of my life. It it really really was a tough time. Um, 
you know, you, everything you believed about life and God and how to serve Him and church and ministry, and you hit the wall, and I began to really just ask difficult questions and struggle through a process. Uh, began grappling with some of the old things that, that I thought I'd put to bed and started struggling with sinful uh, tendencies again, things such as pornography right. and, and sexual uh, uh, issues. And it was a real difficult season and kind of going with grappling, trying to find my way through the process, really vulnerable, uh, opened up and was very vulnerable with people around me. But kind of, instead of kind of finding help, I just kind of found judgment and right. yeah. and. Right. Uh, yeah, to the point where eventually I resigned because I was told you just you need to resign now and, yeah. and you need to leave. And I think I want to stop here because it's so interesting, right? Is like uh, many people are going through difficult things in their lives. They hear a message about, you know, believe in Jesus or, or, or whatever that would be like. And their picture is that everything just goes up from there, right? And yet your story is like this radical experience of God you go into this great space, but then an important part of that story is is a downslope. An important part of that story is a valley, is a wall, is is a falling apart. Yeah. Like it's an important part of the goodness yeah. of what God was doing in your life. And I just think that's so important because I don't know if people always understand that that's part of the journey. And so guys hit a wall and they think that's the end, right? And they give up on God because they never expected it to be hard because the story that they were told was it just gets better from here, guy. Mm-hmm. And, some, and it does get better, but good is sometimes hard, right? And that's not the end of your story, so it doesn't no. end there. So it, it, was, it was exactly what you've just said. It was really tough. You know, everything you, you know, I mean, you, now I'm, I'm 26 years old. Um, I've spent my whole adult life in my 20s in the church world, never went and studied anything in, in the full, you know, business world or trade or anything else. I went to Bible school. Now all of a sudden I find myself as a 26-year-old young man having stepped out of an income, a job, because really I got paid a salary by sure. the church. Felt like I'd lost everything. I'd lost my calling in life. I'd lost my destiny. I'm, I've missed it. I'm, you know, this is it. You know, it's come to the end. And the hopelessness and the dejection and the suffering and you know the struggle with yourself and feeling like an absolute loser the bottom of the bucket um, and now you've got to go out and find a job find a way forward um, you know what do you say when you start applying for jobs hi I was a pastor I can pray for your staff and right. I'll lead the prayer meetings in the morning you know if you believe right. um, and yeah look I can I can help you with training or development or public speaking, but this really, it's almost got no commercial value. So you end up in the situation where you don't know what the heck to do. Right. And it was in that time where I decided, you know, what do I do? Um, really desperate, cried out to God, and uh, he's so, just so incredibly merciful, so gracious. And he just, you know, he very clearly directed me and said, listen, I want you to, I want you to move to Durban. And I moved back to Durban, um, and I know today the millennials are quite happy to stay at home until the age of 28, 29, 30. Yeah. For us Gen Xers, wasn't the case. You know, you're 26 years old, moving back home with your mom is not exactly the yeah. ideal. And, uh, and I said, well, I've got to get a job back into waitering at a restaurant, like a student back in the day. And um, 
yeah, just kind of saying, well, God, you know, from here, you've just got to guide me. And in, on a journey, just a real process of going from that into more permanent employment, eventually into a, a family business and, um, and through a process of where we are today, where we are in our, our own business. But I, I often say that, you know, I'm so grateful for my time on, on staff um, in a church, ministry-wise. Um, I learned a lot. Yeah. But I also saw that as my exodus. Because sometimes, like what we often find is in the church world, whether it's willingly or unwillingly or known or unknown, it's something that we've inherited. We've inherited a system or a model that kind of says this is the only way you can serve God. Right. If you want to make a difference, be a pastor right. or go into full-time ministry, that word full-time ministry. Right. Um, yeah, and, and I guess my journey took me through a process which I didn't realize that in a, in a, back then, that years down the line, it would be so much a part of speaking to the lives of so many people and saying, hey, God's called you where you are exactly. as an engineer. Yes. Or, um, you know, as I've got a friend who's got a PhD in chemical engineering and, I, and he works for one of the world's biggest petrochemical companies, I just said, God's put you there. That's where you're meant to be. Yeah. You're making a difference. Yeah. And, and nothing against, uh, I guess, the, being a pastor, if that's what you're called to do, if right. that's the right, right fit for you. That's your vocation. Exactly right. Yeah. But just to say that that's not the right fit for everyone. Right. And, and there's no sacred secular divide. Exactly. It's okay if you're a plumber, if you love Jesus, like exactly. that, it could be the very best expression of who God made you to be. Well, in the I world. just, you know, I think so often in what's happened historically in the church world is that we've created a hierarchy mm. through the sacred secular divide, through the clergy laity divide. Mm. We've said, listen, these guys, the guys that are up front on the stage every week, uh, every Sunday morning, these are the guys. Right. The rest of you are kind of, you know, you're a tier or two tiers below. Right. Whether we've intentionally created that hierarchy sure. or whether we've inherited and continued just to go with the flow, that has painted a picture for most people who get, become Christians, come into the church, and that's almost created for them in their thinking and their theology and their worldview that they, their job is not as important as the pastor's job on Sunday. However, that was never the biblical narrative. It wasn't the New Testament model. It was never the ecclesiology of the, the 12 apostles or the early apostles of the church. Never. It was right. never meant to be that. Right. Leadership, oversight, care, right. all of that kind of stuff. Hierarchy, not, maybe not. Okay, so to land it, yeah. to round it off, the way you think about following Jesus, obviously radically different than the boy who grew up, the guy who encountered God in Cape yeah. Town. Yeah. massive journey of maybe awakening, yeah. uh, new understanding? Yeah, I think, you know, one of the things I've realized is that in business and in, in the business that we're involved in, I absolutely, I have one of the greatest privileges I feel. You know, just being in the fashion industry and working with some of these most amazing people, most incredible, creative, out-of-the-box thinking people, who don't fit into the Christian world or the Christian context right. the, and would never come to church. Half of them are gay. Right. Wouldn't want to come to church because they feel judged. But yet I call some of them my good friends. And, right. and just those opportunities to be there and to show them actually that God loves them. Yes. Actually that God cares about them. Yes. And actually God thinks they're amazing. It's one of the greatest privileges I have right now. So I guess for me, understanding that 
when you believe in Jesus or you become a Christian, whatever, you, whatever your terminology is for that salvation experience, is that immediately you become a missionary. Yes. And what does that mean? That means we're called to be that light in the world. We're called to be... Actually, sometimes we think an apostle is someone who has a title, leads a mega church, and, and writes countless books and, and gets to appear on, on TV. And No, an apostle can be someone out in the marketplace because Paul was in the marketplace. Paul made tents. And I'm sure part of his process of being out there making tents, I'm sure it was, hey, I make the best tents in Athens. And you know what, I'm... And that, that process opened up so many doors into people's lives. Mm. So if we just start to see things differently and realize, actually Jesus left us with a mission. We're called to reach the lost. Any church that's not evangelizing the lost, actually what are you doing? You might have a great worship service. You might have an amazing band. You might have a beautiful building that's really cool and trendy with great coffee. And I love coffee and I'm involved in my local church context. I'm involved in overseeing the coffee room. It's a good thing. Which I love. I, I think, think a big great. part of the gospel is Jesus, good coffee and apple products. Uh, you know, what? If, if you read the Bible properly, properly you'll see coffees in there. That's you know? the thing, yeah. And, and, I, and I, think that, I think that for so many people that get caught up in the thing of for, for churches about Sunday. Actually, no, it's not. We are the church. Right. It's about every day in the week. Right. There are people out there that we are called to reach with the gospel. Right. And then we're called to disciple them. Right. And discipleship does not look like a 30-minute sermon on a Sunday morning. Right. Discipleship happens through us, the church. The pastor is there as part of the Ephesians 4 gifting to equip the church to do the work. He's not there to do the work. Yeah. And so if we get that right in our thinking, it doesn't matter how our churches look, whether we meet on a Sunday, Wednesday, Thursday, and how we meet or where we meet, but that we're getting on with the mission of Jesus on the earth. Wonderful. And we do that through whatever we call to do, whether it's business, whether it's you're a doctor, uh, whether you're you know, yeah. a pastor in the church. Amazing. We've got to get on with mission. Get on with the mission of Jesus in the earth. That's I love it. that. And so if, you, if you're listening to this and you, maybe you literally heard about Jesus for the first time yesterday, or you've been uh, following Jesus in your understanding for a really long time, uh, Rob's truth, I think, remains the same. What's the next thing? Get on with the mission of Jesus. You don't need a title. You don't need any kind of studying. You don't need, actually, you don't need anyone's permission. That, Absolutely. Right? <laughs> you have Jesus' it. permission. Like you've already got it. So just get on with the mission of Jesus. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. Rob? Yeah, great. Thank you, bro. Thank so you So good me. having you. Um, guys, so good to see you all again. I don't see you, but you see me. I hope I'm not too hard to look at. And uh, we'll see you in the next episode of the Follower Podcast. Do the things, like the stuff, subscribe and things. Uh, where can people find you? Do you... Uh, yeah, I, I am on Facebook and I'm on Instagram. Yeah, yeah. Uh, my business in, is called Cryolan KZN. So you yeah. can probably find out a bit more about us on Cryolan Facebook, Cryolan KZN. Excellent. And on Instagram. Cool. And see a bit about what we're doing in the fashion world. Amazing. Yeah. And uh, I'll be adding or linking or mentioning Rob in the Instagram stuff. So if you're interested in him and chatting more with him, let's do that. I think always the idea around the follow-up podcast is we start in the digital space, but we want to move into the physical space. So... So the idea is that people who inspire you here, you could connect with them in the real world as well. So that's good stuff. Thank you, Rob. Pleasure. We'll see you guys soon.